Can we ever do enough cue discrimination? And what do we mean by that? Well, this is a fun deep dive into the past. In this episode of the Learning About Dogs podcast, Ken Lawrence and Sue McGuire discuss teaching between this and that, assuming we have been keeping track of all this and that with our cues. If you have had a chance to go onto the Learning About Dogs Vimeo channel, um, there has been just this wonderful collection of training. Uh, gosh, some of these are, videos are 10 years old, mm. not more, um, showing up on the channel. But anyway, one of them has to do with this statement that you made, Kay, that just really has been resonating me for the last week or so. And it says, can we ever do enough cue discrimination? And I thought, no, I don't think we can. Agree? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we tend to call it cues. Cue discrimination is a bit of a, a niche word from, you know, um, trying to get people off using the term commands and the dog distinguish between commands to go left or right or, or sit or down or whatever. Um, and a cue, I see, is this opportunity to earn reinforcement. Yep, a cue says there's a reward on offer if you can match this word to that behavior, you're going to get a reward. But at the end of the day, I mean, our lives and the dog's lives, it's all about being able to discriminate between stimuli. You know, so when you're driving, you're constantly assessing, is this person going to step off in front of me or not? Is this driver going to slow down or not? And what are the cues that it's about to happen? And when we stop paying attention to the cues is when, oh, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. You know, and something happens or I wasn't listening properly and something happens or I didn't know what you said and something happens. So this is about awareness, being aware of what's around us and learning the differences between fight discrimination is between a website that looks real and a website that is a fake. Yeah. You know, what are the things we're looking for that says to you, I don't like the look of this email. There's something about it that's a bit fakey. There might be some misspelt words in it or um, they're using, it's almost like somebody's translated it to English as opposed to being familiar with using English. And that fine discrimination often is life-saving for us. And so it should be for the dogs. I mean, it's our job to be able to give them lots of practice and experience between the words we use and what they entail and what's in it for the dog. And, you know, there are days when I think, oh, what am I going to train on today? Oh, I know. Let's work out how to do blah, blah, blah. And when they're about between six and nine months old, they really have to start getting their head around the word to put your butt on the floor is not the same word as to put your chin on the floor. And the word to cuddle up on that bed is not the same as the word to get off that sofa. They're different words and different actions. So learning that words are cues, I think is a concept that we are asking our dogs to learn because we want to communicate mostly by words. And often our words are contrary to our body language. Mm -hmm. So the day I can look like I'm heading outside and say to the dogs, everybody in, but my body language looks like I'm going out. I know at that point that they're able to distinguish what I say from what I do. It's quite hard. As long as I look like I'm going in, they'll all come in. But if I look like I'm facing to go out and I say, okay, everybody in, in or out. Yep, they, they can distinguish between the two. Um, or 
they're all waiting to get dinner and I'll come out for a walk with me and I can call one through and not the others. All those small things, I don't think we can practice enough. don't think we can practice enough. You know, we look at the ultimate one, which was Chaser, the Border Collie, that learned a thousand words of toys. Um, and our capacity is poor in comparison to what we could do if we put the time in to practice it. Yeah. Put the time in to practice it. You know, um, things I've taught the dogs in the past are this paw and that paw have different words, but I can also use a different word as to how you use that paw. So I can go poorly paw, which means you just lift it off the floor like it hurts a bit, or I can go wave, or I can go push. Now, each of those is a different action with that paw, but I need the dog to be able to discriminate which is which, not just, yeah, yeah, I know it's my right paw. What do you want me to do with it? Well, wave it. Okay, thanks. I need that information. You know, and uh -huh, the more they yeah. seek that information, the more they'll be able to discriminate finally as to what the differences are. And I think it comes down to, uh, at least what I've come across, is that people really do not spend enough time selecting that which they are going to use as a key. Thinking about it first, you mean? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Certainly in a lot of fields, people will look at, um, probably 20 years ago, we had this problem with um, a dog that's going to sit if the dog is standing up and going to sit, it's not the same behavior as if the dog is lying down and going to sit. They're totally different movements. So if you went to an obedience competition 30 years ago and the dog is in the down and it's the first movement, it was one that was always the classic one to fail, the hardest one to do, and the dog is told to sit, you'll almost see their hips twitch and then the front end reluctantly comes upwards. Because sit is something when you're in the stand, your knees and pelvis start to react to that. But when you're in the down, oh, yes, it's your elbows and your front it's feet. Your you know? right, right, right. So the dog has to hesitate for a moment and go, oh, not that sit, that's it. Mm. Yes, it's a different type of sit, different type of meaning. Um, and this, you know, being able to work out what is the first thing the dog should react to when it hears this word. Should it be front or back? So I would use sit for one and park for the other or park for one and up for the other. So there's no question in the dog's mind. And then you see there's no hesitation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's the same as if we teach the dog to lie down from a sit. Well, then every time they sit, they're thinking, am I on the way to the down or is this sit going to be the only thing I do? And then if you ask the dog to lie down without sitting, they're like, I don't know what that action is. I You've never taught me how to do that. Exactly. Um, I see that a lot. Mm -hmm. So absolutely being completely clear, which probably here work to music's taught me anything more than anything, is you know critical to be able to explain to the dog without missing a beat on the music, this one, that one, there you go, now do this, now do that without hesitation. And probably 30, 40% of my training time is spent practicing cues. Mm. Yep. And I'll probably pitch, pick a random bunch of five and mix and match and you'll do one of those and two of those and three of those and four of those and one of those and back we go again round and round and round and it's a game i bet you can't remember spin oh smashing and i bet you can't remember drop oh magic and i bet you can't remember pink oh got it i need to look at the book myself first you know <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Check what they are. yes exactly yeah. but yes definitely think about what exactly is the movement the dog's got to respond to the minute it hears it can't do enough of that. Oof. Mm -hmm. 
Link to the Learning About Dogs Vimeo channel is in the episode notes. Thanks for listening.